Welcome back to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman. Welcome back, Michelle. Welcome back, Amy, and welcome back, listeners. We missed you. We did. We for sure. You know, it's so great to be back with all of you tonight as we record this. Thanks for your patience while Michelle and I took a much needed break over the summertime. Uh, We've been hard at work recording a lot of great episodes that are coming your way for this fall, including some fantastic interviews with special guests that can't, uh, we just can't wait for you to hear this. But first, we wanted to catch you up on what we've been doing all summer. I don't know, Amy, a whole episode. I mean, it only takes a few seconds to tell them that we've been, you know, just lounging around by the pool and sipping lemonade for the past few months. <laughs> uh, yeah, all those bonbons. Remember yes. the bonbon comment? Yeah, we just sit around eating bonbons, Absolutely. whatever those are. <laughs> just relaxing and, and doing nothing all summer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but seriously, I <laughs> yeah, I wish to. But, you know, seriously, I was super busy over the summer. And I know that you were too, Amy, because just a couple of days after we posted our last episode of A Word Fitly Spoken at the end of May, we kicked off our summer break together at the G3 Expository Teaching Workshop for Women. Yeah, we did. That was the first weekend in June. Boy, it seems so long ago now. Uh, But it was only our second time ever (laughs) that Michelle and I get to meet up in person. So uh, you may have seen the pictures posted on Facebook or other social media. It was just such a a wonderful weekend and so great to uh, hug Michelle for the first time in many years. Um, And this was the very first teaching workshop for women that G3 has offered, uh, but we hope that there will be many more in the future. And they say that there will be. So that's good. Yes, absolutely. And we want to encourage all of you to follow G3 on all of their platforms so that you can be alerted to the next workshop and sign up for it. So this is actually a workshop, not a conference. It's, It's really like taking a weekend class. Yeah, only they send you the homework before the class. It's quite extensive. So we were each sent two passages from the book of Titus to study and outline so that we could present them at the workshop. And the instruction in the main sessions, oh, so excellent. We were taught mainly by uh, Josh Mm Bice and Tom Buck, but we also got to hear from Larry Maminga, who's been on this program before, uh, Virgil Walker, and Scott Annual. And uh, in between the sessions, we met with small groups that we had been assigned to uh, for the ladies, and everyone presented the passage that they had prepared, and we all gave each other encouraging feedback. So that was kind of the format for that workshop. Now, uh, the main message I kept hearing over and over, Michelle, is that, uh, you know, the leaders were telling us that God really does want women to learn and understand scripture, to have solid theology as our foundation for knowing who Jesus is. Uh, Before our summer break, we had done an episode or two, I think, on this trend that we're seeing that says women shouldn't teach other women God's word, that only men can do that, which of course is not true. It's very uh, legalistic. And the Bible doesn't 
doesn't say that women can't teach other women. We need to know how to glean the truth from scripture verses. And so at this workshop, that's exactly what we did. We looked at passages in Titus, and we learned from other expositors how to exposit the truth. So what does exposit mean? Well, you may have heard of expository preaching. Preachers use this uh, method to understand the meaning of the passage and then craft their sermons to explain and apply it. The preacher's job is to clarify the text and call for a corresponding response from his hearers. Now, of course, we have to say this. We are women, of course. We do not preach. And if you're new here, uh, Michelle and I firmly believe that there is no such thing as a female pastor and that any woman holding that role is really in rebellion to God's Word. But knowing God's Word, knowing how to study you know, the grammar, the context, the historical setting of a passage in order to understand the author's intent— that is a good thing. That's not sinful at all. And if you know scripture and how to uh, study it properly and apply it, you are not as easily misled or so weak that you are prone to shipwrecking your faith. In fact, this workshop, Michelle, gave me great tools to be able to stand strong and be able to disciple other women. I just felt so confident in that. Uh, what did you think about the workshop? Well, I completely agree with everything that you just said. It was really phenomenal. Yeah. Honestly, I just can't say enough good things about it. You know, that, like you said, that was right around the time when this whole hyper patriarchy thing started blowing up on Twitter. Yeah. This ridiculously unbiblical idea that, that godly women can't teach other women the Bible and theology among other things that would fall under that hyper-patriarchy umbrella. And like you said, the Bible does not prohibit women from teaching other women. It actually commands yeah. older women to teach younger women. So, you know, if we shirk that duty, we are disobeying scripture. And this workshop was really helpful in equipping us to carry out Christ's command for us as older women to uh, teach younger women. Um, but, you know, with the, with the hyper patriarchy thing, after listening to all of those men who subscribe to that theology, uh, listening to them devalue godly women and our biblical necessary and commanded contribution to the church, it was just so amazing and such a blessing. Yeah to be in an environment, not only with other godly women who are following Titus 2's mandate to disciple younger women in their churches, but also to be in an environment with all of those pastors who were leading us, who recognize and appreciate the vital role that women have to play in the church by discipling and counseling other women and also children. Um, I really appreciated the small group and fellowship time yeah. too. You know, I enjoyed it a lot personally, but that's an environment that's really conducive to the way that women learn, at least a lot of women. I mean, we're just sort of wired to collaborate mm -hmm. and talk things through and make sure nobody gets left behind, things like that. So I think that setup worked a lot better than just straight lecturing. Uh, and then finally, I know this is a, a teaching workshop, and when we encouraged everyone to attend a few minutes ago, some of our listeners probably said, well, you know, that's not for me. I don't teach any women's classes at my church or anything like that. But I want to tell you something that I didn't expect. I was amazed at what a better listener it made me to my yeah. pastor's sermons. 
you know, I have to confess, I was not initially all that thrilled with the amount of emphasis they placed on outlining (laughs) our passages, but drilling, yeah, you know, but drilling down on it, hearing feedback on how I outlined the passage, listening to how others outlined it, that turned out to be invaluable to me. It made me a better studier, a better listener. So these workshops, they're really for everybody, whether whether you're teaching a class or maybe you're discipling women more informally, like one-on-one over coffee or something like that. Or even if you're teaching uh, children at church or your own children at home, or even if you're not teaching anybody, you know, it's just very helpful. So so go. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Some people had asked us too, Michelle, if these were streamed, if they could just listen to recordings. Nope. Uh, this is a workshop. Mm-hmm. It's hands-on. Uh, there's no, it, it would just be silly to have it as a right. recording. So wouldn't work. So you have to make every effort to go right. if you can. And uh, we've also got, Michelle, your blog article about the workshop in our show notes. Uh, all the things that you reviewed about it, you really go in depth and it has all the links you'll need for more information. And uh, speaking of our show, notes. We're going to have lots of links in those today for this episode. Uh, You know, everything that we talk about, you'll you'll find a link in there. So uh, as per usual, but there's going to be a ton today. So we'll just say that, you know, we'll just say it once instead of repeating it all night long. So be sure and check the show notes. That's all I'm going to say about that. So Hey, uh, something else we both did this summer, <laughs> although uh, not together because, you know, how many miles apart are we? Like 1,500 miles from uh, Louisiana to Wisconsin? I'm not so quite sure. So many. Yeah, too many. Too many. Uh, but we watched movies so that we could discuss them here. Not silly movies, but uh, movies that we think that you might find edifying or at least eye-opening, uh, starting with uh, the four-episode yes. documentary, Shiny Happy People, the Duggar Family Secrets. Now, this is a, a useful video because it really does expose some some very dark things that a lot of women in uh, throughout our, our country, throughout the world, are really, uh, you know, that they're being deceived by this. Uh, the, you remember the Duggar family uh, was the hook for this series because of their uh, familiarity to so many people, but it was mostly about Gothardism. So um, we'll tell you what that is in a second, but let's listen to the trailer. World domination was the goal. If you have not gone through the basic seminar, I highly recommend it. IBLP. 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 The IBLP teachings aren't Christianity. There's something entirely different. We have for every one of you the answer. Thank you for agreeing to talk to us. There's a story that's going to be told, and I would rather be the one telling it. TLC created a PR show for Gothard's teachings. You've probably heard of the Duggar family. Everyone knew who the family was. We were part of IBLP as early as I can remember. The biggest feature of Bill Gothard's teachings is authority. Kids obey the parents, wives obey their husbands. Everyone obeys Bill Gothard. Gothard turned every father into a cult leader and every home into an island. I first read The Handmaid's Tale in college. I was like, this is my life. Homeschooling is kind of the linchpin of this whole project. The kids were not being well-educated. Instead of learning math, you're learning slut-shaming. The Institute raises little predators. Breaking news, a dark family secret is exposed. It's like the epitome of evil. Breaks my heart to think about the girls. Well, how deep do we go? Because that's a rabbit hole. Man. This is much bigger than the Duggars. You give these kids training in political engagement. 
From there, you send them into the halls of Congress, into the White House as interns. They're playing the long game. What is going on here? The shiny, happy images is the sugar. We're all high on it. They were just deceiving us all. The real story is a much bigger one. Now is the time. All right. Well, Michelle, that, you know, as you, you watched it and, you know, the documentary features Jill Duggar Dillard talking about growing up on TV. And of course, it goes into the Ashley Madison and child molestation scandals involving her older brother, Josh Duggar. But it mainly centers on Jill and several others speaking out about their experiences uh, growing up immersed in the teachings of Bill Gothard. You may have heard of him before. Uh, and we're not going to go too much into Gothardism too much tonight. Um, you know, he, he was a false teacher. He's, he's old now, still alive as we record this. But, uh, yeah, I don't even think he was a Christian, but you can look it up and read about it if you like or watch the documentary itself. Uh, suffice to say, it's an unbiblical system of legalism and works righteousness that is especially difficult for women and children to live under. In fact, it's very similar in some ways to the hyper patriarchy movement uh, Michelle mentioned earlier. Yeah. And, you know, Amy, I, I recently watched the documentary again, so it would be fresh in my mind for this episode. And watching it after watching all of this hyper patriarchy stuff come out on Twitter <sighs> over the summer, I saw a scary number of similarities. Um, for the past few decades, those of us who do discernment ministry have been laboring in the fields against, you know, antinomian false doctrine. This kind of anything goes, licentious, everyone did what was right in his own eyes stuff, like the prosperity gospel, word of faith, new apostolic reformation, um, you know, stuff like that. And in the circles that we run in, there just hasn't been a whole lot of legalistic false doctrine to combat like Jesus faced in his day with the Pharisees. Pharisees. Well, that's rapidly changing, unfortunately. Traditional Gothardism has sort of morphed into this kind of Gothardism 2.0 of trad wives and hyper-patriarchy that seems to be invading some corners of Presbyterianism. It's the same thing that Gothardism 1.0 did, which is the same thing that the Pharisees did. You know, simply, I think the idea is that simply letting Christians work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, like the Bible says, is too scary for them. You know, you might mess up. You you might fall into sin that way, you know, even though we all do anyway. But so they create these man-made rules and regulations that govern every aspect of your behavior that are stricter than God's laws. It's an overreaction and an overcorrection to the lawlessness of feminism and antinomianism. The only problem is that this legalism is just as much false doctrine as the lawlessness they're trying to combat. Yeah, and, and Gothardism really is a cult following. I mean, they, they, they've got all of the markers of a true cult, and so many people have just been um, deceived, mm -hmm. and many of them haven't gone back to church after coming out of it. Um, and, and I 
You know, yeah. over the summer, I saw so many feminists uh, glomming on to Gothardism and pointing out that that model must be surely the reason why, you know, true biblical roles for women uh, need to be uh, shifting. We need to get away from that. They're too stifling. They can, they always lead to abusive situations. We're talking about biblical roles now. Unfortunately, they're falling into uh, yeah. that ditch on the other side of the road that you mentioned, Michelle. Yeah. And something one of the ex-Gothardite women said really struck me. She was describing this oppression of of constantly trying to measure up to all these uh, man-made rules and regulations that Bill Gothard had set out. And she said that as a teenager, while she was at one of the Gothard training centers, kind of like a, a retreat center slash I don't know, training center, I guess, to train them in all of the Gothardite ways. But anyway, she was she was there as a teenager and she walked into the kitchen and one of her friends was in there holding a knife to her own throat. And this girl said, what are you wow. doing? And and the friend who I guess was desperately struggling with her weight or an eating disorder or something like that quoted Proverbs 23, 2, which says, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. And this just rocked the lady who was being interviewed. Yeah, it was terrible. And it just really shook her. And she said something along the lines of, I couldn't believe a Bible verse had brought her to this place. And, you know, my Mm. reaction in that moment was, you know, I just said, no, A Bible verse didn't bring her to that place. Mm -hmm. A mishandled, twisted, out of context Bible verse brought her to that place. False teaching is false teaching, whether it wears modest feminine dresses or ripped jeans, tattoos, and piercings. You know, we have to wake up to this new reality Mm -hmm. of, of this legalistic false teaching that's coming in. But switching gears a little, I do want to say one more thing about the documentary itself. When it first came out, I saw a lot of people saying that the producers and all the people they interviewed and all the other people involved in making the documentary were deliberately attacking, proactively attacking Christianity. You know, I strenuously disagree with this. First of all, Gothardism is not Christianity. Um, it's a man-made, legalistic, pharisaical system of works righteousness. The people who were interviewed gave their honest experiences of being in, in a pseudo-Christian cult. And like you said, a lot of them were lost. So of course they have a worldly worldview. Of course, maybe they don't understand the distinction between Gothardism and actual Christianity. But as doctrinally sound discerning Christians, it's really important that we draw that line of distinction so we can stand up against legalistic false doctrine and help to rescue people out of it. So I would just encourage our listeners to watch it just to get an idea idea of what Gothardism and legalistic false doctrine are like. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, and be advised, there is a smattering of profanity because most of the people in the documentary, like we said, are lost. So Amy, what did you think about Shiny Happy People? I well, I binged watched it, <laughs> and so, um, and yeah, it was fascinating. 
um, and really eye-opening. I, I really do think if you, um, be, just because there are so many people, uh, even if they don't, aren't in this particular cult, following these ways because they're, they're everywhere. Um, they're in school curriculum. They're, they're in books and conferences. So, right. um, just get an idea, ladies, of, of what this is all about. And, and Bill Gothard is in his late 80s today. Let's see. He was born in 1934. So he would be like around, 89 years old, he's going to face the Lord pretty soon. All right. And, and yeah. he has not repented of any of this. And the documentary does talk about he was, how he was uh, you know, forced out of his own organizations uh, over allegations that he abused young women working at his headquarters. Um, so, and, and one thing too that they all firmly believed is that God wants us as women to have a quiverful of as many children as God will give us. So that's why you're seeing these big family of, um, you know, 20 kids or whatever it is. Um, and that's called, you know, known as the Quiverful Movement. You can actually uh, Google that Quiverful Movement and look that up. It, it's not a command from Scripture, ladies, for us today. Um, it's terribly sad that so many hundreds of thousands of people fall for cults like this. And Gothard isn't the only one. There's uh, the Michael and Debbie Pearl uh, cult. You know, they wrote this book uh, a while back called How to Train Up a Child. It promoted extreme punishments based on uh, Amish mule training, actually. And then there was uh, one that I, I I can't even... There's another documentary about her. Gwen Shamblin is her name. She's the founder of uh, Remnant Fellowship Church. I should say the late Gwen Shamblin. She was killed in a, a plane crash uh, a few years ago, but she became this NAR prophetess. And she was also, she started out as this weight loss guru. She wanted to be known as, you know, the weight loss method where you take, uh, you, you look at your plate of eggs and you take the very best part, 10%, and you don't eat that because that's for God. It's, it was the weirdest, most um, legalistic thing I'd ever heard of anyway. Uh, but, it, you know, self-sacrifice and all of that stuff. But she made a ton of money. Uh, she became obscenely rich off the wallets of her followers. And there, you know, that operation is still going on today. So uh, ladies, just be aware of these cults. They're hyper extremist and they are not biblical Christianity at all. All right, we need to shift gears. Uh, next up in our summer movie series that Michelle and I watched, uh, there was one called The Secrets of Hillsong. Now, this was featured on Hulu, not to be confused with the Hillsong documentary that came out uh, in 2022 on TLC. So here's the trailer for The Secrets of Hillsong. The truth doesn't go anywhere just because you cover it up. I don't like you. The whole song is a mega church, and Carl Lentz is the celebrity pastor. Carl, he's so charming. People idolize him. There is a sense that pastors can be hot. He was so special. It was cool. Oh, Carl was this mega superstar, and then he just disappeared. You do not want to be in this chair. I cannot stress it enough. You really got. I had some major lies. He said, I have been unfaithful. Carl was fired by Bullsong leader Brian Houston. But there was something larger happening at this church. People were putting things together. Brian's unraveling was bound to happen. They were protecting something. What are they protecting? 
Brian's pushing people to the limit. Hillsong culture is loyalty to Hillsong. There was a series of violent criminal acts against children. Did you cover up your father's sex abuse? They had meetings about not telling anyone. It's child abuse, labor abuse, sexual assault. We are fearful of what is ahead. I've never seen anything like this. This is a church we're talking about. All right, so this was also a four-part documentary, four episodes. It started out in the first two episodes uh, with Hillsong, New York City, showing how it was planted, how it grew, how its leader, Carl Lenz, uh, became its celebrity pastor, and how he committed adultery, and uh, eventually he was fired. Then they sort of pivot into uh, episodes three and four to Hillsong, Australia, with the idea that... uh, Uh, To understand the problems with Carl Lenz and Hillsong, New York City, you've got to understand the parent corporation, Hillsong Australia, and all of its issues. And probably most of our listeners know that that leader, Brian Houston, and his wife, Bobby, were the founders of Hillsong Australia. But they start with Brian's father, actually, Frank, who was a Pentecostal pastor. And they gave you some history about how Brian eventually took over for his father and built Uh, the Hillsong Empire that we know today, Hillsong United, all the music that you're probably familiar with. And they talk about the great uh, general corruption of power dynamics and things like that in that church itself. But they also go into a good bit of depth about the child molestation accusations against Frank and how his son Brian helped cover that up. And that was uh, his undoing publicly, at least. Uh, But they talk about the 2019 sexual misconduct allegations from women against Brian himself and the sexual abuse and harassment incidents at Hillsong College, which is sort of their toned-down version of Bethel's School of Supernatural Ministry. Sounds like Hogwarts, doesn't it? Uh, But then they also talk about the financial fraud, the money laundering, tax evasion, and extravagant spending of the Houston family and uh, other leaders of that church, which is under uh, investigation by their parliament there. Uh, there, There's some great websites we're going to put in the show notes. Oh, I said I wouldn't say show notes, but anyway, um, (laughs) great links where you can go and study in depth about what happened there. Uh, But finally, they show how uh, Brian and Bobby were forced to resign from Hillsong. And this has all been international news, so you may be familiar with it already. Yeah, there's just been so much. The documentary could not possibly cover everything, and certainly we can't cover everything in our our reaction to it. But the documentary ends and was released in May of 2023, right before Brian Houston's trial in June for concealing his father's sexual abuse and failing to report it to the police. That part is not resolved in the documentary, so I went and looked it up because Michelle's got to have closure. You know, you cannot leave me hanging like that. Yeah. So apparently there were some delays. So the verdict was not announced until August 17th. That was three weeks ago today as we're recording this. And Brian Houston was found not guilty of the charges. 
Um, to me, it sounded like the deciding issue was that the victim didn't want the police notified. So I guess the verdict is a bit more mm-hmm. understandable that, you know, that he was exonerated for um, covering up the, well, I don't know about the covering up the sexual abuse part, but certainly yeah. the failing to report it to the police part is a little bit more understandable. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, something that the documentary did not mention, and I would guess it was, you know, they didn't mention this because it was too late in production to fit it in. Uh, but something it did not mention is that in February of this year, 2023, less than a month before he resigned from Hillsong, Brian Houston was arrested on a DUI in California. So he's on three years probation for that. I don't know how that works when he yeah. lives in Australia and, and this was in California. Yeah. But, you know, it, it just shows you that this man is not qualified to pastor, uh, you know, City Hall. I mean, he can't pastor right. anything. He's just not qualified. So and yet here we are, um, you know, we've people in churches have held him up and his, his empire up for many decades as as something legitimate. So. Right. Right. Um, you know, from the documentary, aside from the fact that he's not qualified to pastor because he teaches heresy um, and he's probably right. not saved because, you know, of what we read in Matthew seven fifteen through 23, that uh, you're, you'll be known by your fruits and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So, you know, studying that passage and comparing Brian Houston to that passage and other passages in scripture, he is likely not saved, but just the, um, the normal human, uh, reaction and lack of resiliency when you're trying to do so many things and and trying to run such a huge operation. Um, I think Carl some, Carl Lentz said something like this in the early episodes of that uh, documentary that when you're trying to do all of that, you're just not you know something's got to give at some point. And so with with Carl Lentz, it eventually was adultery. With Brian Houston, it looks like he's just falling apart all over the place. So, um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for uh, you know your small local church where your pastor can actually handle what's going on in your church. <laughs> but uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, I I just have really two thoughts about this documentary. Number one, the documentary repeatedly makes the point that Hillsong is more akin to a corporation than a church. And it is just like we were just saying, it's it's just a very worldly mindset and model, which is to be expected since the people running Hillsong are false teachers, not Christians. Of course, they would do things in a worldly way. And you can you I mean, you can just tell listening to Carl Lentz talk that he probably still does not know Christ. Uh, you've you've got a woman who talks about arriving at Hillsong College, never expecting and genuinely surprised that they would, quote unquote, discriminate against her because she's a homosexual. You know, that's yeah. the kind of person that they are attracting. Uh, you Again, you've got another woman who talks about how she threw herself into volunteering and went to Hillsong College and graduated from Hillsong College because she wanted to be a pastor. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- then she talks about the point at which she she knew she had hit a glass ceiling and there was no longer any room for advancement in her career as a pastor at Hillsong. So, of course, you've got these worldly 
mindsets. None of that sounds Christian. It's It all sounds very worldly. This place is run by worldlings and it attracts worldlings and nobody gets saved and changed and redeemed by the truth of the gospel. This is the flip side of the Duggar documentary. That was legalistic false doctrine. This is antinomian or, or licentious false doctrine. They're both false. They both damage people and further harden their, their hearts against Christ and the truth of the gospel. So that was my first thought. My final thought is to encourage you to watch this documentary, especially if your church still uses Hillsong music or for that matter, Bethel or Elevation. Because if you think that the kind of sin and corruption going on at Hillsong isn't going on at Bethel and Elevation, you've got another thing coming. They just haven't made documentaries about Bethel and Elevation yet. That's all. Uh, but anyway, watch it. And and then do whatever you have to do to get your pastor to watch it, preferably the whole thing, but at least episodes three and four. I honestly do not see how anyone who's been a Christian longer than five minutes, let alone a pastor, could watch this documentary and still use Hillsong music in your church. It, mm-hmm. it, Amy, I just cannot tell you how it sickens me that the heresy and blasphemy of Hillsong and Bethel and Elevation aren't enough to make pastors stop using music from these sources. I mean, stop and think about that for a second. These places rebelliously spit in the face of God and deceitfully drag people off to the bowels of hell. And some of your pastors are still okay with using their music. In addition to that heresy and blasphemy, if your pastor can also watch this documentary and still double down on using Hillsong music, in my opinion, that should be the last conversation you ever have with him. Second John 10 through 11 says this, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, in other words, the true teaching of scripture on the gospel and everything else, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. And at this point, you know, when John was writing this, the church was meeting in people's houses a lot of times. So do not receive him into your house, not into your home, not into your church, or give him any greeting for whoever greets him, listen, takes part in his wicked works. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is a command of God, just as surely as do not murder, do not commit adultery and so on. When are pastors going to start taking this command seriously enough to obey it? If your pastor can watch this documentary and still use Hillsong music, leave and find a doctrinally sound church. (sighs) Amy, any further thoughts to add? Michelle, very strong, and I agree with everything that you just said. People need to be aware of the apostate corruption that is happening at these conglomerates. I'm not going to even call them churches, these money-making enterprises. And it's not that they were once godly and now have somehow fallen. They were never godly, never. Hillsong Elevation, Bethel Redding in California. These monstrous monsters are leading lambs to the slaughter. Don't sing their songs or go to their conferences or download their media. Have nothing to do with them. Whew. Well, well, okay, we need to change gears now and lighten things up a little bit, Michelle. Yes. <laughs> 
after all of that, I mean, we couldn't have said it more strongly, but that's what, that's the hill we're going to die on. All right. The final movie we saw this summer uh, was much more of a joy to watch. It was called The Essential Church. Let's take a listen to that trailer. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. (laughs) When the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. L.A. County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Now, you might remember that one of our uh, last episodes in May, we we had an interview with Shannon Halliday. Uh, He's the director of The Essential Church. And if you haven't listened to that, we would highly recommend it. The Essential Church was produced by Grace Productions. That's a, a ministry of John MacArthur's Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. And the movie centered on the North American church's reaction to COVID and the government's persecution of various churches who, you know, refuse to close or otherwise comply with the government's draconian regulations. Now, featured in the movie are uh, attempts by California's governmental officials and their legal wrangling to shutter Grace Community Church and the arrests in Canada of Pastor James Coates and Tim Stevens for refusing to stop meeting in person at their respective churches. It was an excellent, well-done film. 
Yes, Amy, it really was so excellent. But you know, that that part that you just mentioned about Tim Stevens and James Coates being arrested, that it was so heartbreaking. And I remember, especially when Tim Stevens arrest hit the news, you know, and I had, I had seen the footage of Tim's arrest before, but seeing it on the big screen when they, they handcuffed him in front of his wife and all his young children, just crying, daddy, daddy, you know, they were, it was so sad, just so devastating. Of course, the happy news is that Tim and James were both recently exonerated by the Canadian government. So we definitely praise God with them and their families and their churches for that. That was great news. But it's a sobering reminder that persecution of Christians has hit North America and it's not going anywhere. I mean, it's it's only going to get worse and we need to prepare ourselves for that. We need to think things through now before they happen so that we'll be ready to stand strong and face the consequences with dignity and without compromising. One of the ways that we can do that is to look back over the years at how our brothers and sisters endured persecution. The Essential Church movie takes us back through church history and provides us with some really inspiring examples of how those who have gone before us bravely faced all kinds of awful things because they would not back down from the truth of God's word. Um, I really enjoyed the essential church. We, we, we went with our adult children and their spouses, the ones that have spouses. So the nine of us took up almost a whole row in the theater and that was fun. <laughs> My favorite moment was when they, they showed a clip of Andy Stanley. I don't even remember what he said, but saying something <laughs> stupid and unbiblical. And all of us, all nine of us spontaneously booed him in unison. <laughs> I just, I love my kids that they, they think that way, but um, it was also pretty surreal to see a few people that I have personal connections with and friendships with in the movie. I mean, I'm used to seeing them on the small screen of my computer, not the big screen at the theater. So that was pretty interesting. (laughs) So Amy, what did you think of the essential church? Oh, it was incredible. And I am really glad my husband and I got to see it this summer. And I was thinking, I need to see this again, even as the closing yes. credits were rolling. Um, and I will eventually see it again in some way. But uh, uh, yeah, the, our theater wasn't very crowded. Uh, but yeah, when Andy Stanley said his thing, whatever it was, uh, you could hear gasps from the audience. <laughs> and so we couldn't we couldn't see them because it was dark in there. But uh, yeah, we, we sat actually as close to the front as we could, um, just because my husband likes likes the side aisles, you know, the seats mm-hmm. and everything. So I don't know, quick escape or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> it was so fun to see. And, and it was just really, really well done. So um, if you didn't get to see the Essential Church in theaters this summer, ladies, or if you did, and you'd like to see it again, there is a, a DVD and Blu-ray and, you know, available and lots of great Essential Church gear, all ready to order at EssentialChurchMovie.com. And uh, we'll share that link too. Um, and that's only part of how we set, spent our summers, just these movies, uh, Michelle. Yeah, we didn't sit there in theaters all summer long. Uh, oh, we've no. got lots more to share with you. So we're actually going to have a part two essay of what we did this summer. <laughs> that is right. And in the meantime, be sure to check out the show notes for more information on everything we've talked about tonight. And stop by our website, awardfitlyspoken.life, to check out all of our previous episodes, to support us on PayPal or Patreon, 
and to explore all of our other resources. One thing that we really want to encourage you to do at our website is to check out the speaking tab. Right now is a great time to start planning a winter or spring women's conference or retreat. And we would love to be your speakers. We could talk about discernment, Bible study, biblical womanhood, or lots of other topics. And hey, maybe we could even record a live episode of A Word Fitly Spoken. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, so, would be. <laughs> yeah. So talk to your church leadership, maybe partner with another doctrinally sound local church or two, and let's work together to give the women of your community a doctrinally sound alternative to the conferences and simulcasts headlined by big name false teachers. That's right. Let's make it happen. All right. Until next time, ladies, winter, spring, summer, or fall, walk worthy. 